Welcome back, everybody, again to another episode of the Sons of Comics podcast, where we talk uh, comic book TV shows, movies, uh, comics themselves, and everything that you're too afraid to tell your other nerd friends about. So, um, I'm your host, Steve Pugh. I'm Scott Hill, his faithful sidekick. My faithful sidekick, my Scotty Wonder, the boy Scott Wonder. And, uh, yeah, so how's your week been? How's your break? Uh, my break was very hectic. It's, yeah, um, it's pretty cool. My, for my kids' birthday presents, we redecorated their rooms. My son was completely superhero themed. Oh, well, I mean, that should make you proud, right? Oh, very much so. And, um. Takes the, you after his father. <laughs> yeah, my favorite part about it, well, two favorite parts about it. One, it was my wife's idea to do it superhero themed. And two, um. She and I painted these pictures together, these, like, minimalist superhero pictures, so that, like, um... Regular Van Gogh here. Yeah, yeah. Well, (laughs) I did most of the... I did the drawing, and then she she has a better hand when it comes to painting, so... Me, I I can sketch decently. But, um, yeah, so we've got, like, a pretty cool... uh, Pretty cool one where it's divided into three, all, like, diagonally. And you've got, on the top... In yellow, you just see Wolverine's mask with, like, the claws. Ah. Yeah, I mean, that's all I you see. see. And then um, on the side, kind of sliced into a triangle, you've got Batman, and it's just, like, black on gray, like, really dark. Now, he only works in <laughs> black and very, sometimes, sometimes very, very dark very, gray. Very, very, very exactly. Dark gray. <laughs> and then down at the bottom in uh, purple and everything, you just, you have the mask and, um, you have the mask and the mouth at, well, like the lower jaw, I guess. The lower part, the, like the jaw part of the cow. The jaw, yeah, but like you actually see uh, his skin oh, um, okay. of Hawkeye. So it's Hawkeye oh. and his bow, which, you know, uh, being the nerd that I am, I was pleased because it means that on this one picture divided, I have three superheroes with uh, pointy masks. I know, it's, uh, it's pretty pretty, uh, pretty fitting, right? They're the best. Yeah. So uh, my break was... It was all too quick. I think I spent most of it at home. I mean, I did plenty of things, like, outside the house uh, at the beginning of the break, like, before Christmas. Yeah. With my brother and uh, my sister and uh, other family members. But, um, yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Good times. Good times. Yep. Yep. But uh, moving on, uh, we're <coughs> going to start every show from here on out with a new section called uh, What's Hot and What's Not. So, uh Scott, what did you consume this week that was hot and what was not? Uh, am I limited to one of each? I don't I don't mind. You just give me a rough summary. Well, <laughs> let's see. So one of the things I'm really most excited about is a new comics coming out called The Legend of Wonder Woman. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited because it's rare to see good Wonder Woman comics written well. And so you've got this one on the horizon, and then... Freaking Grant Morrison is going to be doing a Wonder Woman oh, really? comic. Yeah. Dude, he's he's amazing. Oh, and my favorite part, too, um, it comes out in April, and crap, I'm blanking out on the name. That's not very good. But my favorite part is he's brought back Etta Candy, who is like, who's like one of Wonder Woman's best supporting characters that people are like, I guess most people just ignore because she's an overweight loud chick and it's like well, that's what makes her awesome well she has to have a duff every every comic's gotta have a duff and the thing is is Atta Candy is like is one of those ones where she's not even 
I guess you can consider her a duff, but that's a fault of you. She's pretty, <laughs> uh, like, like basically, the one snippet that I saw of this comic, she was straight up saying to a woman, she's like, so you come from an island of lesbians who practice bondage? I can drink to that. <laughs> and a candy so is awesome. now. <laughs> and, a, and a candy is awesome. It's great. Oh, and nice. then, And then, uh, as for what's not, I don't know. Um, an early, an early review that I saw someone said of that, where all the things I just listed as being awesome, they're like, what the heck is wrong with this? Not awesome. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. It's like, yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, I think on my radar though, I, uh, there are a couple of like programs on YouTube that I follow and, uh, bat in the sun does these, uh, productions where they've done like superhero uh versus battles yeah, yeah, yeah so like they had the most recent one that i watched was uh spider-man versus darth maul <laughs> and like i have to say the production value that they do on these videos where they like t- they, they pull they pull for them and to see who would win and then they actually make the video where spider-man takes well the, they maul. film they film both endings and then when the poll yeah comes out when the poll comes it. out it's like okay we go with this ending yeah i was so surprised i mean they've been pretty good from the beginning but like this one was even better than i thought i'll have to check like, that out like yeah. they've done some really good stuff lately like yeah. they freaking spider-man like freaking ends up like no, he, no he, don't he, spoil he, it all right I won't don't spoil, spoil it. it no spoilers no spoilers yeah, here but, um yeah the other thing uh, what's not hot for me right now was the fact that I learned today that TNT is canceling their uh, in-progress work for uh, Titans. The, yeah, the they t- canceled I it. So I learned that. that today, and I was bummed. I I, so... I tweeted out how upset I was. I said this is this is wrong, but I hope maybe Fox or uh, the CW will pick it up. Hopefully, I don't it, know. It pro- I, I would prefer it not be the CW, even though they probably would. But I think Fox. I don't know. The Fox's C- work with Gotham has been so good that I think they would do a really good job with Titans because they'd make it really dark and gritty, and I think it'd be fun. I don't know. Like, so. it, here's the funny thing about Teen Titans is that most people's nowadays their exposure to Teen Titans is through the TV show, and then uh, most people's uh, same thing with Young Justice. And the funny thing is, is that like is that the TV show of Teen Titans was kind of lighter and softer. Like, it still had serious... Like, it still had serious moments, but yeah, it was... but it was geared more towards the younger yeah. audience, so whereas, it couldn't be too dark. Whereas Young Justice was more... Um, well, that was more well, that like was your... That was much more serious, much more... That was like taking a CW TV show and turning it into a, uh, yeah. like a cartoon. The funny so. thing is, though, is that if you go back to the original comics, the tone is exactly the opposite. Young Justice is the lighter, softer, whimsical one. And Teen Titans is That's the more a very very serious team. You know? Yeah, they, they don't mince they don't mince words and they don't mess yeah. around. You know, they're yeah. they're. Uh, but I, so I, I was I was ticked. I yeah. was uh, I was super let down because yeah. I was expecting some good things. They said that their uh, pilot episode was supposed to air sometime uh, early this year, it's and shame. it's not going to happen. So I'm I'm pretty pretty bummed out about yeah. that. But um, anyway, um, yeah. one other thing actually, um, did you see the teaser that dropped today? for daredevil yes i thought that was one of the best trailers of any like tv show or comic book like anything it was just perfectly crafted for daredevil (laughs) i am a big fan of these new of this new trend of teasers that don't spoil anything like you see it and you know that this is giving you a taste of what it's going to be like 
but it's not necessarily what's going to be in the movie. Yeah, I have like, no they... idea what's coming for the show, but that's totally okay because yeah. this I mean, what the, the the show speaks for itself. Yeah. So, I'm pretty excited like the whole church scheme yeah. and the, the 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 paintings on uh, the ceiling and the and the the the, the, the choir Yeah, I, just, I thought wow. I thought the opening like close up of the fingers almost touching was a little heavy-handed, but then yeah, once a little it, bit. <laughs> but, you know, once it got past that, you know, for those who haven't seen it, basically the idea is that they've sort of it's almost like the a, Sist- the a Catholic Chapel. Sistine Chapel type of idea, but what's painted on there are scenes from the first season and we're hearing voiceovers that are kind of like reflecting what's happened and everything. And it's actually chronologically correct. They yeah. start out from the beginning, you know, with him yeah. getting, you know, his eyes, he's getting blinded and then, uh, till the end. When, the, yeah. You know, then it, then it segues into what sounded like a quote from this season of basically, why do yeah, I still feel guilty? Yeah. Why do I still feel guilty? And the priest's response is both awesome because it's not very typical that we see a Catholic priest who's not, portrayed negatively like the, the catholic yeah. I, I keep forgetting his name but the catholic priest portrayed in father something yeah <laughs> father and, something rather but the catholic priest portrayed in in the daredevil tv series is the most awesome catholic priest in media right now but his well, response thing, to yeah. his response to why do i you know to matt murdoch going why do i still feel guilty is so your network's not done yet yeah it's like it's like Classic. it's like guilt <laughs> you know it's like Sometimes guilty is being guilt. I'm gonna butcher it, but sometimes being guilty is good for you. Well, it's, it's a good your sign from uh, it's your sign that season. you know it's the si- signal that your work's not done. Yeah, I mean, but that quote also kind of ties in uh, with where he stood last season. You know, the the priest gave him a similar quote. He's like, you know, sin and the devil they're not there to they're there to push you to do right. You yeah, know? and that's why you feel guilty. This guilt is doing the same thing. It's pushing you to do the right thing in uh you know what you're doing yeah which, and he's kind of like lucius fox where he's like you know i'm i'm ig- i'm gonna stay ignorant to all that you do even though i know it i know exactly yeah what you're exactly doing. it's like you don't tell me what you're doing that way i don't have to lie but yeah but so, can but you then, believe though that they're setting this like the same week as batman v superman no, no no that that was one of the best parts about this new teaser is it showed the date it's the week before oh, you don't have to choose between the two I still feel like I'm going to have to choose between the two because I'm going to be so hyped up on Daredevil and then I have to transition to Batman v Superman. I kind of like a little break, you know, just to like, just to cool Dude, off. Dude, there are so, there's so much superhero stuff going on right now. Keeping up with, Dude, keeping up with it is a full-time job. Or what about even the new uh, Deadpool trailer? Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Dude, next month is, is just, um, this. the next three months are Christmas. We need like, to see all that over to, again. We need to see that together. Oh, I'm, we're definitely going to go see that together. I think I'm going to get a group of us together. I'm going to get you, me. Probably Gabe. I think my cousin wants to come. Um, and B. Arthur. We have to bring her along, too. Who's? Uh, is that your friend? No. Who's Dude, in? I should slap you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm messing with you. You're not, you're not kidding. It took you that long to be, realize, oh, right, B. Arthur, yes. a.k.a. Daredevil's lifelong crush. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, anyway. It's all right. I'm saw, not going to fake geek, girl. You're okay. I actually, I actually looked up one of those, uh, classic Daredevil versus, uh, Deadpool scenes. Like, they have, like, little one-pagers that you can find on the internet through Google. Yeah. And it was the one where, like, he tricks, uh, Daredevil and having to stay with this guy after he shoots him in the leg. And he's like, oh, the nearest hospital's, like, three blocks <laughs> away. Remember. Do you remember that one? <laughs> I remember that one. He's like, hey, how far is the nearest hospital? He's all tied up. And he... He's like, oh, it's a uh, St. Whatever's. It's like three blocks away. 
And he's like, oh, okay. And he, you know, breaks his fingers to get out of his binds. And then he shoots a guy in the leg. And he's like, what? you just, you just, you just damaged this guy's femoral artery. And he's like, well, you know what? I just heard that, that the hospital's only three blocks away. Better get running. See you later. <laughs> Which, if there's a perfect way to... BRB. Yeah, there's a JK. If there's a perfect way to get Daredevil to not chase after you, it's to hurt someone innocent and then run away. Oh, it's genius. So, <laughs> anyway... Um, yeah, super stoked for Daredevil. I think yeah. Daredevil will, uh, is going to revitalize the whole Marvel phase, am, uh, or, or scheme of movies. As always, I'm trying to keep my, um, I'm trying, I crap. I'm excited enough. I can't think of the words. Um, I'm trying to keep my expectations tempered. For Just, Deadpool? Yeah. Oh, I'm all in, dude. I'm all in. I <laughs> no. have no doubt that this movie is no, going to blow my freaking mind. See, even with you know, even with the main subject we'll be talking about tonight, I try to keep my expectations tempered. I, that I did. Because, yeah. well, I mean, I've been burned before. So, But, right? yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, I've been, not only have I been burned before, I've been burned on things that I never expected to get burned on. So now I don't trust anything until I've actually seen it. It's true, I but I saw so much like previews and stuff for Star Wars that it just like, it, it put me in a state where I was like, I don't know how to feel yet, yeah. and I, I guess I just have to wait and see and be pleasantly surprised or be utterly, you know, yeah. disappointed, and you know, I was one of those things and not one of the other things. Yeah. But so anyway, yeah, that's what we're doing today. Um, this is just about reviewing Star Wars The Force Awakens. On its uh, you, you like smashing... that segue? That was a good segue, Yeah, it was right? pretty good, yeah. Yeah, uh, slam dunk. Slam effing dunk. That was uh, Space Jam slam dunk style. Right. Right? Right. Yeah, that's never going to happen again. Nope. Um, yeah, we're just going to review uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens. I've seen it three times so far. I have seen it twice. I think it takes at least twice to really know how you feel about well, a movie, I think. <laughs> no, I know how I felt about it after watching it the first time. Well, I, I, I was pretty sure, but I didn't. I missed a lot of things. I knew I missed a lot of the little things because I was so wrapped up in, you know, Star Wars. Uh, yeah, but that's, that's Star Wars Aphelia, You know, it's just. This, but uh, but that's just the gravy. Like, I mean, what I loved about this Star Wars movie is that, for me, I feel like, and maybe this is just me personally, but that there's like a correct, um. There's a correct way to enjoy a movie. I'm sure there is, and I agree and, with you on that. And it's like, yeah. it's like, for the most part, it's going in with as little expectation as possible. And then when the movie is good, it sucks you in so much that you totally miss details. You're just immersed. Or, you know, you forget that the movie's ending. You're just like, oh, wait, 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 the movie's yeah. over? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I, how I've been here two hours? Yeah, no, exactly. Right. And it's and And you just, you get immersed, and so... And then when you walk away, if you're still just buzzing about it, and the more you think about it, the more you keep buzzing, Right. then then it was a good movie. Like, it's sort of, it's almost like a good movie is to be savored, if I can get pretentious for a second here, you know? <laughs> you're very pretentious. You might want to put on a little tie and a vest while you're at it. Uh, I'm already wearing my skinny jeans. Hashtag, <laughs> you, no, I'm not. freaking hippie. <laughs> you, you, uh, oh, you. Anyway. Hey, I, I'm such a hipster You're that I know that all a hipster really is is the new version of a beatnik. It's that is true. Let's do that snap poetry. Um, That's right. You know, 
it's not slam poetry and it's snap poetry. Oh, shit. Oh, snap. Um, yeah, I agree with you on that. Although, for me, I had a hard time not thinking of this thought. It was that I'm such a nerd. I want, I'm going to break everything down with my eyes and look for all of the, the plot tie-ins to anything else in its, in its you know, universe that I hope I don't miss the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I don't want to miss you know feeling the movie because i'm such a nerd and i just break everything down with my eyes like oh that's that and that's that and that's that i just want to be like this is a great movie and i was able to have that experience so i i'm I'm glad it didn't but the second time around i did i was like oh so that's yeah okay yeah if i can um come up with an analogy out of thin air you know how like people you know how there's those people that when they drink uh whatever it is like soda or just whatever like they'll drink they'll basically like chug you need a stiff drink right now is that it no no that's not what i'm saying that's not what i'm saying I'm kidding. um but no like but there's I, i've always heard it before where it's like i'm i'll sit there and i'll be like drinking and basically chugging and people are like how do you even taste it you know you're drinking it so oh, fast right, how do you, yeah it's like how do you even taste it and i'm like well i taste it just fine actually in fact the going you know the it's the, a full experience. Yeah, it's a full experience. And if I'm to use an analogy, well, watching a movie should be like that. Tasting and you being should chug fully the movie. Yeah. You know, I mean you should go in basically not worrying about the nerd stuff and whether you're gonna catch all the little details or anything. Instead, worry about the story and the characters, which in this was just solid. It was like that for me was my favorite part of this movie is the fact that I love the characters. Yeah, they were they're really solid characters. It definitely was, if I can say this, it was a Star Wars movie. Like no, you Star don't Wars understand, man. These characters, like your enthusiasm, is not enough for these characters. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. But you can definitely see where each of these characters kind of fits a, a pre-designated role from the original Yeah, movies, they fit right? the archetype a bit, but you they know, also... There's the Luke character. There's the Han Solo, which is just Han Solo. And then there's Chewie, which is just Chewie. And then I'm not exactly sure where Finn fits in in that. He's just kind of... Well, he's kind of a Finn character. He's kind of a... He's kind of a Luke character as well. I don't know. I don't know. In some ways, like... But I think Poe Dameron is going to be kind of the new... Uh, new uh han solo oh poe dameron is easily the new han solo that guy is he's kick-ass he's so smooth which i have to ask you um what are your thoughts on the um poe finn ship you know i think a lot of the people are thinking oh my gosh that that could totally play into our demographic you know that whole you know bromance thing and it's just like don't don't make things out to be more than they are i know people like look at frozen and they're like oh it's about you know lesbianism it's about being gay and it's like all that stuff and it's like that's stupid they said that about frozen they're sisters i'm I'm, I'm serious though they're sisters no but like the whole thing where she's like let it go it's all about coming out you know oh And, and it's like why do you have to like take everything and turn it on its head when it's just when it's See, just, a, gonna, it's just a, thing. I'm gonna argue it's just with a thing i'm gonna argue with you a little bit about that it's like see that's the fun of movies as an art form you know it, it's like it, here's the thing it's like i can appreciate it, that it's like let, let me let me change let me change awful. it this way uh, you know you're we're both religious people right yeah you like lord of the rings right sure when you watched lord of the rings did you in your mind 
in some way kind of relate it to your spiritualism? I think we all, yeah, I guess that can happen. Yeah, everyone in our demographic totally did that. When you had the filmmakers specifically saying, this is not a religious movie. You know what I mean? That's not, that was not our intent to be a religious movie. Like, I actually one time went to a non-denominational church. They played a clip from Return of the King. Did they really? They seriously did. And Holy moly. And, you know, to throw a little shade on them, uh, it was it was also the part of the sermon that I felt the closest to God. Um, <laughs> sorry. Well, but, it's but, certainly but, but at the same though, time, yeah. though, it's like, you can make the same argument that us projecting our spiritual experience that we find satisfying onto Lord of the Rings is just as inappropriate as people of, you know, of people of the uh, lesbian, gay, bi, trans, they keep adding... I can accept that. I can accept that people do that. I just... I, 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 just, I just don't like to pay attention to it because it's, it's just kind of annoying to me. That's all. I, I'm just not for it. But I, I can see the bromance and I can see how it's, it's a very Star Wars thing to do to have these people meet up and they kind of have to work together yeah. and they become friends because they're in these tight situations that they're kind of like, oh my gosh, we're still alive. I mean, in, especially in their case in the beginning of the movie. Or I guess we'll just go spoilers from here on out. It doesn't really matter. This is yeah, yeah, stuff. that's right. If you're but if you're listening to this, um, spoiler, that was your spoiler warning. That was your spoiler warning. So you know they're they're sneaking through, like a super star destroyer or whatever, and then <coughs> it's not know, a star destroyer. I don't know it's what a it is. star. It, it's it's not a star destroyer. A star killer or a, ship. Yeah, it's a star right? killer. Uh, star you've got killer. your star destroyer, which is a misnomer because that's not going to destroy any stars. Star killer base. And then you've got a death star, which. Is also been a death uh, misnomer because it looks more like a moon than a star. Yeah. And then you have a star killer, which actually is accurate because it literally kills a star to blow up several planets at once. Basically, yeah, that's true. So um, it's the first time they've they've had an accurate name to their super weapon. So back to what I was saying, they are sneaking around the ship. They are not getting caught. I mean, it, well, actually, their plan was pretty solid. But yeah. um, they well, get in a Tie Fighter, which they are unfortunately tied to the docking base and he's like i don't know what i'm doing i don't know how to detach this thing and somehow <coughs> he figures it out in time yeah. to get out of there while you know finish shooting up the place and uh you know i can see how that can bring people closer together although i have heard it people complain that well how can these people like be this instant friends you know why is everybody always friends there's always this hugging going on all this you know, monsters, mounds of hugging is like, Dude, why do you care so much? It makes sense to me. I mean, there's plenty of people that within the space of a conversation, you that that I met that within the space of a conversation, I'm like, oh yeah, we're gonna be friends. Oh well, like, yeah, I mean, everybody has that one person or what, however many people that you know. Like after five minutes of talking to them, you're like, yeah, I like this person already. I met a guy this weekend or last weekend at my work that I hadn't met before. He was a huge Giants fan, and he was also, like, way into Star Wars and comic books. I was like, this guy's awesome. Yeah. So I was like, man, you know, I can see how that works. But, yeah, what, what else did you think about the characters? Um, let's see. Uh, did you like Well, Ryan? I actually had a completely different thought while we were talking. Because, you know, we were talking about, like, the Star Destroyer versus Death Star versus Star Killer and everything. I realized another one of the things that you could throw onto the pile 
that the freaking Star Wars prequels should have done. The Star Wars prequels should have been the introduction of the Star Destroyer as like, oh my gosh, this is the cra- this is the worst super weapon anyone's ever come up with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that makes sense. When you think about that retroactively, it's like, because, you know, because, you know, the Star Destroyer is like big. Yeah. And it's sort of like, it's sort of like if the Death Star is the tank, no, I mean, if the Death Star is a nuke, the Star Destroyer is still like a tank, and like freaking like, in World War One, like Star Killer. You mean? You mean the Star Killer base? No, 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 I'm talking. I'm talking like the ship. The ship. Oh, okay. Because see, when we get to when we get to the original trilogy, oh, their ships it, are all different. Well, yeah. When we, but when we get to the original trilogy, though, the it's also the size of that ship is kind of taken for granted. Yeah. I mean, it's a big wow factor at the beginning of the movie. Where we're like, oh, there's that ship, and whoa, that's a huge that ship. That ship keeps going. Oh, that first ship is screwed. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. But in the Star Wars prequel, you should have had this sort of, this is our, this is the new biggest weapon. And it's like, again, if the Death Star is like a nuke, that original Star Destroyer is like a tank. Which, right. compared to a nuke, is nothing, right? Well, yeah. But on World War One, when a tank showed up, people You're were like, like what oh, the shit? Yeah, it's like, what the hell is this thing? The freaking Star Wars prequel should have had that sort of moment of just sort of, like, check out this new ship. And then people just like, <gasps> Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, I think they they still have, like, a super weapon sort of thing. And I think that's that's a fine thing to have as, like, your, your mainstay. But <coughs> it, it did. And I like the, uh, I like the Starkiller base. But do you think it was, like, too overpowered? I, I don't do think you... it was too overpowered. I just thought that... I don't know. I thought it was too overpowered to destroy within the space of one movie. <laughs> destroyed an entire system. Like... like it was like no, that, you know? Well, I mean, again, it's... The thing that was a little weird about that is that... I mean... But I guess if you look at Alderaan, it's the same thing. But it's like... It's like, yeah, I guess to the characters, that's a big deal that they destroyed that. But to us as an audience, that meant nothing. Because it was like... What system did they just destroy? Yeah, because we don't we're not a, well acquainted with that system yet. I mean, yeah, exactly. Oh well, we weren't even really acquainted with Alderaan at all. I mean, like, what do we know? I would just know Which, the name of a system, honestly, in the yeah. uh, in the original trilogy. But yeah, like, uh, but no, what bothered me was was the fact that was not the the fact that the Star Killer was that strong, but that you had something that was that strong, and was defeated within that short of amount of time yeah, from the time of its first use yeah like it's like, sort of between then and when it was destroyed what, it was like which that happened to the death star too but i sort of like i almost feel what would have been better rather than just outright destroying the planet uh, destroying the star killer would be if the rebels had managed to like cripple the weapon so that it could be reused at so, a later point at or, a later point but obviously would be out of commission for a while but it's yeah. not destroyed, but we at least were able to, you know, we're able to do that. And then it's like, and then like in the next movie, it's like, okay, so we've been trying to find its location again so that we could finish, destroying, so that we could yeah. actually destroy it, but they've hidden it somewhere. And then, it, you know, like, then there's that sense of consistency because it's like, what are they going to do now? Well, are they just going to pull a Return of the Jedi and build another one? Because, you know, I mean, that was, 
That was hard to swallow with a, with a planet, with a moon-sized space station. We're talking a whole freaking planet. I know, and they rebuilt it like it was nothing. Yeah. and But uh, it, it, I'm guessing that the, the plot's going to get a lot more thick, and without having a super weapon, I just hope it doesn't turn into another prequel thing where they focus on politics or they focus on anything other than just the hero's journey during the movie like I just want to know I just want to see the characters change and I don't care if there's another super weapon I just don't want it to end up like the prequels did where they had nothing really to build on other than like watching Anakin become the bad guy and a bunch of see, you know politicking see I don't know you know what um you know you know what other Star Wars movie had a segment that focused a lot on politics Empire Strikes Back Oh well, it wasn't um, as apparent. It didn't. It didn't feel like that's it was the all thing, that though. Bad. Politicking is not inherently bad. It's not that they touched on politics. It's that the way the prequels touched on politics was in such a banal, like flat, without any dimension sort of way. It's just I say this. I say that. It's like. It was like bad. Well, they made the, it was like bad revolutionary the, war reenactments. They made the politics out to be like. That was the main conflict of the whole thing. Like, yeah. Well, what are we gonna do? The Senate's not the thing gonna is, agree with this. The thing is that politics, like anything, is just another form of intrigue if you do it right. Like another series that has a freaking ass ton of politics and people eat that crap up is Game of Thrones. That's nothing but politics. That's medieval politics. The series. Oh, that 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 works for that. I think. But at the same time, though, it's like. While you don't want Star Wars to turn into Game of Thrones, no, because you can you can still recognize how politics can be made interesting. It can be, yes, but I just don't think they're they'd work as well for Star Wars as being a a a plot anchor, you know, for plot? being for being something that Fair holds enough. everything together. Fair enough. Politics it's more. It's really... more. It's more. It should be more flavoring, not well, plot anchor. It should be more about the Force and the Jedi, yeah. and about Rey and Finn and and yeah. what they're gonna do and who they are and learning about. Like, we started this this new Star Wars universe, or I mean, after four, five, and six, knowing next to nothing about like what happened in the space between, you know. Uh, Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Yeah. So there's so much ground to be made up in in learning about this. <coughs> these next couple of movies, so eight and nine, are gonna have just you know they're gonna be chuck full of things for us to learn about. Yeah. Which is gonna be great. So I mean, and then there's all the uh, anything outside of that's gonna be just more icing on the cake. We're gonna learn about uh, Ray's history more and and all sorts of things and I honestly hope there's more like video games that come out that kind of go into that because yeah like there's dark forces you know those oh my gosh I which will never get back (laughs) I would love it I would love it if we could somehow get even if it's not as straight up revival of dark forces just like a well, I mean, I guess that's what Battlefront did, didn't it? Isn't it's it? kind of, it's kind of the same thing. I, don't know. I just I, want Cal Katarn back. I, I want Cal Katarn back too. I want Cal, Kyle, Kyle, Katarn, and Mara Jade. Like those had, are the two characters I mourn the most. They had enough and games. Dash Rendar. They had enough games that they ought to be in this universe. Like, yeah. why, why couldn't they be? Like, he's. 
he's not that hard it, to. It's know. so Marvel Comics can have free reigns to fill in the gaps that were being filled in by the game. He deserves his own comic book. It's true. At the same time, though, it's like in Dark Forces, wasn't he the one that got the Rebel plans? I don't know. Maybe like we'll the plans see... for the, the Death Star. He had something to do with it. Maybe yeah, we'll but get I mean... him in. Uh, maybe we'll get him in Rogue One. Maybe it's possible. That would be awesome. But oh, I'm so excited for Rogue One. Yeah, I'm excited for the Han Solo solo film. Have they cast a Han Solo? They yet? want. I the rumor is they want Liam Hemsworth to play him. And I think he could do it. I don't doubt that he's he's kind of got like the the, the, the swagger and the and the you know the all of this is ridiculous. Why are we doing all this stuff? Kind of attitude. He could totally do it. I don't see why not. But um, that's who they the he, he's rumored that they want him to to play Han Solo for the solo film. I don't know. I feel like a better Han Solo would still be Chris Pratt, but he's basically already playing that. In he's Guardians already got Galaxy. that in Guardians of the Galaxy. That's that's his right there. Um, and then he played Indiana Jones in Jurassic World. Yeah, so he won't be Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones is just the Indiana Jones. They're going to get Harrison Ford probably to do it again. Because yeah, yep. that's the only thing Harrison Ford apparently cares about. He was so happy to be done with Star Wars, apparently. Which... I knew I, it. Called it. I knew it. I knew he was going to die. You remember. You remember. Yeah. Yeah. I was there. I knew he was gonna die. I knew it was gonna be him. No, you wanted to be in denial of it though. I was. I was the one who was like straight up. I was. This is gonna happen, and I'm at peace with this. Well, once I saw his reaction to all of the Star Wars stuff, I was like, no, it's totally him. He because yeah. it's it's no secret he did not like being in the Star Wars movies originally. Like he yeah. after the first one, he was like, I feel like I've already done Han Solo. His his story is told, and I don't want to do any more. And after, the, but they they convinced him to come back and do Empire and Return of the Jedi and and uh, he's one he, of the only... he does not like it. I and I'm sure when he was done, he thought he would be done. And he's like, screw all of you guys, I'm out of here. Yeah, no, like he he. Um, so, I remember many years ago, like before the fourth Indiana Jones movie, one asked about Indiana Jones and Star Wars. He's like, I'd love to do another Indiana Jones, but. Star Wars, I'm done with that stuff. I'm done, you know. So. Maybe he hated it because he wasn't the focus. I actually, from, I've heard, now this is hearsay, but I've heard that the thing is, is that Harrison Ford, who's a very s smart guy, very sharp cookie, doesn't like to play people that he doesn't think are intelligent. Oh, I see. So he like, doesn't like being the idiot. Yeah, and, and it's like, which makes a lot of sense. You look at Jack Ryan, you look at his character in Witness, you look at all the other characters he plays are really intellectually sharp people. A fugitive, he's a doctor. Yeah, exactly. It's like he, he likes to play people who are intellectually sharp. Oh, and Han sense. Solo is kind of a buffoon. Yeah, he's a he's a terrible smuggler who's always getting into trouble and owes people around the yeah. galaxy tons of money. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, when you look at it that way, it makes sense. It's sort of like, oh man, I don't want to play the moron i want to play he, he basically he likes to play characters that he feels like he as a person would be able to respect if that was a real person yeah he'd want to be able to shake the guy's hand in real life you know and be like yeah. wow you're you're you're, uh, you're an upstanding individual and you're really cool but you yeah. know uh, well what did you, you think of him though in the movie <coughs> well he's harrison freaking ford he was great he's a force of nature <laughs> yeah i freaking i loved I, I talk my just talk my way out of everything. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, every I time. Do. Every time. Every time. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, that was so great. He even got the classic line, I got a bad feeling about this. Yeah, yeah. Even got even got that one out. Although that scene b- does bother me. I'm gonna get to this I wanna get to this right now just to get it out of the way. The whole Raftar thing. Yeah. It bothered me. And you don't do you have any idea why? Um no, that's why I was sitting here patiently waiting for you to tell because me. Because it was a it felt too much like a JJ Abrams thing to do to bring in these weird way out of their way out their creatures to be part of his the, his story like i could see him having some other kind of like humanoid type alien like trapped up there in the in the ship or whatever but he's got these weird gangly flaily arm type things it was just like this feels like something out of fringe or something out of Firefly, or just something, that, me, just, something made, that doesn't really belong. It made me in think Star of Dungeons Wars. and Dragons, actually. Like it's a little like, bit, yeah, yeah. But no, no, like I, I, I just didn't feel like they fit. I was like, why? Are, why are these things here? They should be in another universe of some kind, like something, uh, something else that J.J. Abrams is doing, like Star Trek. Like they, they should have been in Star Trek, not in Star Wars. I felt they should have been something else. I was I just like, know, that, like that was J.J.'s like stamp in the movie, like his handprint. I, I and can, that's okay, but it's just like I, I didn't think they belonged. I guess maybe I could see that, but I mean, in some ways, like, have you seen a Dianoga? No. Um, you remember in A New Hope when they're in the in the trash compactor, and that little like eye flips up, yeah, and all of a sudden there's a tentacle grabbing Luke and everything. And I didn't feel like that was too out well, there. Well, that's because that's because that was at a time when. They didn't have the special effects to do something too out there, but I mean, if you if you reconcile the Rathtars with like the Sarlacc or the Dianoga, if anything, I thought they weren't rendered as well as they could have been. That that I yeah, I just came to a realization. That's probably one of the things I also don't like about it, is the fact that the whole thing was CG when they've done so much in the movie that was practical. Like yeah. nearly every single alien in that thing is practical it's all animatronic yeah it's all legitimate Basically, stuff the three and then major, the, the, the rathtar was not that was the, the only three major things that are like cg are the rathtars um um maz oh maz katana maz yeah yeah her and well, snoke. She, was seam- she was seamless i i i thought she was pretty seamless too and then yeah, she was and great. then snoke oh and snoke aka space golem yeah space golem andy circus Reprising his role the again. Pro- the problem is that Andy Serkis has very, very distinctive mouth. Like his mouth forms very distinctively. So when yes. they, so when they honor his mouth movements, he's gonna look like Gollum, even though the you design doesn't really. Look, you can't get away from. No, it, yeah. you can't. Like a, like because he kind of purses his lips in a very distinctive way. So. That's like the only thing that he does now. He does like CG mocap stuff. Like he's worn Dude. that. He wears that mocap suit more than anybody well, else. Well, not not only that too. Like he's now he literally is like the pioneer in that field. Like, like he's um, oh I'm trying. Yeah, he was one of the first. Wasn't oh, he? like yeah. Well, the thing like he's got a whole team now. Like he's basically it's like you want to do motion capture stuff with your actors, you go to Andy Circus. He's. That, that he's totally carved a corner for himself. That's how he ended up in uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron because they were already working with him because That's they true. were having to do motion capture for the Hulk, and they're oh. like, and so as a result, they're like, well, hey, Andy Serkis is right here. Why don't we put him in here as Claw? And he's like, all right, well, he's already in it, yeah, yeah. And so it's like that, but yeah. Getting back though to the Rastar thing, like the one thing that made me, 
I was too busy being happy with that scene because for me, it's tradition that in every Star Wars movie, <coughs> and even the prequels held true to this, more or less, in every Star Wars movie, they've got to come, or, they have to have at least one run in with a larger than life creature. Yeah, and the some Rattar sort of space the, monster. It's the Sarlacc, you know. Yeah, yeah, the Sarlacc or the Rancor or the Space Slug or the Wampa or the Dianoga or or the um, or the big fish in the Phantom Menace or let's see, what was an Attack of the Clones? Attack of the Clones had one. Oh, oh it had the, the, the the claw monster. Yeah, the, the, yeah in the yeah. the arena. Yeah, in the arena, and then and then I think Revenge of the Sith is the one where. I guess he rode a big monster. That's not the same. I hate Revenge for the Sith. It's anyway, terrible. getting back to the point, though. I worried that they, you know, just based off of what I was seeing from the previews and everything like that, I'm like, I bet there's, I I bet that they won't really have a place to put any big space monsters in there, and it would make me really kind of sad. I just had, so this, when that's, I just had an awesome thought, like... What if, when they got to the planet's surface of the Starkiller base, we see this one-armed Wampa like walking around, <laughs> oh and then gosh. and then freaking Finn like pulls out the lightsaber, and you just you see the look on the Wampa's face, like oh shit, and just turn around and run. That oh, man, that would that would be been funny, great. and sounds like the type of thing George Lucas would have put in there because that, it would be it would please the it fans. Would, it would be hilarious, like that would have been great. But it's it's obviously not Hoth, and it's not the Wampus planet. So and it, it, would, would it wouldn't fit. It would yes, yes. yeah. So it, it's better in like a spoof of it. Yeah, maybe I'll but, make a meme. <laughs> yeah. In any case, though, I I was just excited because I'm like, oh man, there's probably I bet there's they're probably not gonna fit space monsters in here because where's it gonna fit? And then when that scene happened, I'm like, oh, they fit space monsters in there, and I don't even care that they look like crap because I'm just excited they have space monsters because you have to have that in a Star Wars. Movie. Exactly. And so yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they had their big monster, and then um, I like the the fact that they all kind of gang up on. Uh, Han Solo because he's a terrible smuggler. He's just yeah. like Han Solo, good to see you. He's like, no, <coughs> no, you owe us, you know, crap, yeah. crap ton of money, and well, he's a terrible smuggler. And oh, did you like the bit, uh, the bits where he would take Chewie's crossbow? Oh my gosh, that it, was great. It was great, right? He's it's like just... he's never done that before. It's, he's been with the Wookiee, you know, like fifty well, some odd years. He's never used his weapon. Well, no, why would you? Like, I mean, well, I don't know. Wouldn't you be curious? No. Like if I had a Desert Eagle and you had just like a um, a Glock, wouldn't you want to try out my my huge me, fifty caliber uh, pistol? Mean, no, probably not. Like I would probably, because I mean you you end up doing what you're comfortable with, and so it's like, you know, like would you, after fifty years of marriage, would you have ever had an a a case where it's like you know I don't want to use my regular toothbrush, my wife keeps using. Uh, her toothbrush. I want to try that. Like, no, you're using a matter of hygiene. I don't think it fits fits as well. It does because I'm trying to create a wonderful straw man <laughs> it's, it's and not, knock it down. It's not working. It, it it's working just fine. You toothbrushes and blasters. They're the same thing. No, a toothbrush is like a blaster that shoots the gingivitis off your teeth. 
And so you better hope that that toothbrush isn't a stormtrooper. My space dentist would disagree with you. Uh, if if that if your toothbrush is a stormtrooper, it's not gonna hit the gingivitis. It's gonna hit your tongue, and that's no. My stormtrooper's gonna pull out one of those weird things that that <laughs> that traitor. Traitor. Did you like that? Oh, uh, how could you not? Like I loved that? it. I was like, I, lo- I love it. Payback's uh, a bitch, right? <laughs> have you have you heard the uh, call the call sign that people have given him now? Uh, it's well, TR8. Well, isn't it TR8R? Yeah, like T. Terminator. No, it's Traitor. <laughs> yeah, Traitor. <laughs> yeah, like I. Like just this random stormtrooper. Apparently, he has a backstory that was written. Like him and Finn have a backstory that was written by someone that did these uh, short stories uh, uh. That, that, that are lead ups to The Force Awakens. So he went into training. Like Finn went into training with this. T Trader T R A R yeah and uh, you know I guess they were close because they trained together and all that stuff and so you know, I don't know. A- I've heard I've heard some people say though that they wish that instead of being a random stormtrooper that that could have been that sort of could have somehow been Captain Phasma yeah because Captain Phasma did nothing but be you know stand there and look cool you know, stand there let's see who else did that let, uh, let, let me just walk around. Who, no, in my space, my metal space suit with my blaster, and then you'd be totally sub- no, subject. No, no, hold on, you know, hold on. There's that. some other character that I can't seem to put my finger on that did nothing but stand around and look cool, and apparently people loved it. Oh, oh, that's right, Boba Fett. She did exactly the same thing that Boba Fett did in Empire Strikes Back. She stood there and looked cool. And then, you And know, then that was it. And then that was it. And then they put her in a trash compactor. Apparently. Which she... Which... <laughs> She's going to be in the sequel, so well, she got obviously. out of an escape. Oh, but... look, yeah, the Sarlacc, Sarlacc pit all over again, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Well, no, no, the Dianoga. That's oh, where... yeah, the Dianoga, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, there's your, uh, there's your yeah. big monster, even yeah. though I didn't see the uh, second one. Yeah, but no, speak like speaking of random stormtrooper, I loved the random stormtroopers in this movie. Like the whole, uh, the whole, you will, re- you, know, you will remove these restraints and leave with the door open. Do you think... Her whole bit, like learning the force and learning her force powers, did it fit? This is the this is the question that I've been thinking about. Does the whole thing where she, intuitively, you know, just and, and I'm, see, not, and I have I'm theory- not for sure that it's just intuitive. I, I, she may have training. We don't know yeah, about. Yeah, that's but, that's my theory. But that being said, if if she hasn't, does it still fit? Even if she hasn't. Did you, yeah, what, I think it's it still fits. okay. Yeah, I think. I it's mean, st- I did. I thought it was okay, I mean, but a lot of people think. Because if you it look doesn't. at it, the first time that Luke uses force powers, like I mean, like the first time you really started taking strides, was not when Obi Wan Kenobi was training him. Like, like I guess what I mean is, if you look at it, A New Hope, the two times he used the force was when he had the blinders on and managed to actually deflect the little bolts. Well, he's a skeptic. Yeah. And that's part of... Uh, Luke, Luke. Was, Luke wasn't a skeptic. He well, pulled... he wasn't sure. He just... He wasn't fully vested but in I the mean, force yet. But, I mean, as a kid, for me, the... Yeah, and then also... He was trying. Uh, yeah, but no, like, uh, stop finishing my sentences, damn it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, in, uh, like, in the Death Star, when he... Blew up the Death Star. That's the second time he used the Force. But both of those times felt strangely small for me. Like, I know, like, 
in a weird way, when he shot the Death Star, that felt less like, wow, Luke really used the Force, and more like Luke trusted the Force, which did it for him. He didn't, you know what I mean? Like, he didn't do it. Right. The Force did it. And he just had to have the faith to trust the Force to do it. He's trusting the, the Force on his The first time Luke really used the Force was the freaking badass moment when he pulled the lightsaber from the snow. That's true. And I, as a kid, I loved that moment because that was the first, you know, for me as a kid, that was, I would always watch that and I'd just be like, <gasps> he's figuring it out. And he didn't do that with training. He didn't have someone saying, here's how you pull a lightsaber. That was intuition. Well, the that first was time, him and like, the, yeah, the first time that he really though started to like use the force fluently was yeah. near the end of Empire when you know he yeah. had training from Yoda and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. That. But at the same time though, it's like I feel like I feel like Ray's uses of the force to me felt like they still had that same sort of wild. Okay, I'm gonna take a deep breath, have faith in the force, and try this thing, and hope that it works. As Luke pulling the, that lightsaber from the snow. So, like, so again, like, once she did the whole, you'll remove these restraints and leave with the door open, you can kind of see in her face, she's like, I don't, before she does it, she's like, I don't know if this is going to work. But I, I loved it. It was great. Though. I loved that. It was perfect. My favorite part of that, too, is do you know who played the stormtrooper? Andy Circus? No. <laughs> you'll never guess. Nathan Fillion? Nope. Nope. Uh, I don't know who. Uh, Daniel Craig. Are you serious? I'm freaking serious. Daniel Craig was that stormtrooper. Uh, he is kind of a short potato, isn't he? But I mean, uh, it, it it was a little harder because he spoke with an American accent instead of a British accent. But right. that was totally Daniel Craig. Oh you my know, gosh. It's like, I will tighten those restraints. And then as soon as she gets it, he's like, I will leave with the things open. And, and I'll the drop my weapon. Dead giveaway is like, and I'll drop my weapon. It's like that's a total Daniel Craig delivery. But, and apparently, too, jokingly, the name of that stormtrooper is JB007. <laughs> That's awesome. <coughs> but I have something for you. It's an alternate theory to her having training. Yeah. So if you noticed in the beginning, like when she's living inside that uh, uh, AT, uh, AT, AT, so you see a little doll that was made to look like a rebel pilot. Yeah. My guess, or my theory, and I'm sure it's already been thought out, it's that Luke was her father. Luke is her father, but he never told her that he was the Jedi, and he told her these stories about the Jedi and about Han and Leia, and he told her all these as a kid while never revealing that he was the Jedi of the story. He t must have told her that the Force can do this, the Force can do that, and that all these things are possible and these are all just stories to her before talking to Han Solo and then Han Solo's like it's all true and then all of those stories for her before you know from Which her childhood yeah. all come to realization that she is part of all of this her father was a Jedi he's missing yeah the reason that he left her was to keep her safe blah 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 yeah story 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 she figures out how to use the Jedi mind trick, how to pull the lightsaber from the snow. Yeah. All of that. Did the, you like the force stuff though? I thought the force stuff in this I was loved, awesome. I loved that the force felt new again. This it is felt, the force awakens. Yeah. Like, I mean, it felt, 
again, it's like when, you know, when you watch the original movies, it's like, oh, someone could do that force ability? Like, one of the things I will never forgive the prequel for is the prequels made force lightning cheap. Yeah. It totally, especially, oh my gosh, the part that pisses me off the most is when Count Dooku shoots a thing of force lightning and Obi-Wan Kenobi just blocks it with his lightsaber. It's like, are you fucking kidding Is that all kidding? it takes? You're fucking kidding me. Because what was the thing that Luke did right before he got hit by force lightning? He threw his lightsaber away. Idiots. And now you've taken what was one of the most badass moments where it's like, you know what? I don't care what the hell you're going to do to me. I'm a Jedi. It's like, that's badass. And now you've taken it. You've made it cheap. It's like, Luke, you're a moron. You should have kept that. Screw you, George Lucas. Sorry. And that was also one of our new segments, Where You Rant. It is a minute and 30 second uh, section where... Uh, I rant all the time. You, I'm like a, I'm like a wind-up toy. It's the pissed-off section. It's the, you know what really grinds my gears... Yeah, section. yeah. I've I've been told that I'm very. Style. I've been told that I get very entertaining when I rant. We should do videos of me. Oh, it'd be pretty uh pretty entertaining. You know, we should do some mocap. Maybe we can turn you into Gollum. Yeah, yeah. We can do a pretty good Gollum impersonation, Patches. Oh yes. <coughs> That's pretty no good. Wants to hear your stupid Gollum impersonation. Wants to do the ass nicely. No, they didn't. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Uh, I've been watching those this week, actually. I've been watching. Yeah, yeah. Other, I've been rewatching them, and then I was thinking about watching The Hobbit, and then I was like, "Yeah, better not." <laughs> <laughs> well, I had I had this really great thought where I was like, "Yeah, I could watch The Hobbit," and then I I turned around and slapped myself and said, "Don't waste your time." <laughs> um, I did actually. One of the... Sorry, that's the price you pay for <laughs> doing a Gollum impression. Yeah. It's true. It's the black lung. It's true. Like, if you impersonate Gollum and your throat doesn't hurt... You're doing it wrong. Like, if if it doesn't... Yeah, you're doing it wrong. You've got to basically be running your voice ragged. But, um... I I got... For Christmas, I got the um, Battle of Five Armies Extended Edition. And... Yeah, it, it... Overall, it improved my feelings on that film, but I still feel that Alfred was an absolute waste of celluloid. Finally seeing that stupid bleeping bleeper bleepity bleep die was not satisfying enough because I just wanted him to not exist, which all these people who talk about, I just wish we could have seen Jar Jar Binks die. No, that would not have done it. Because you still, if you went back to see the other movies, he still would have been there. The best thing that would have been better is if he never existed at all. Or at least was just less It still annoying. wouldn't have saved the films, really. No, it wouldn't have saved the films. But it might have made him less, you it know, actually less makes, detestable. It actually <laughs> makes me kind of sad because be, the failure of Jar Jar Binks because another part that's kind of Star Wars tradition. Because he wasn't the worst part of the movies. <laughs> There were other, uh, there were other I don't know, but what did I say about completing my sentences, damn you? Sorry. Gosh. I may st- stutter sometimes, but the, you gotta be patient and let me finish. But no, Jar Jar Binks, though, was obviously set up to be like the Chewbacca of the prequels. Because you've got to have the non-human tag-along or sidekick. And it's like, when I first saw episode one and I was young and impressionable enough... I didn't 
and Jar Jar Binks. And I liked the fact that it's like, oh, he's the new Chewbacca. He's amusing. And then uh, six months passed. It's amazing how much I grew up in six months. I'm like, this guy sucks. This movie sucks. What the hell is this crap? Could have done a lot better by just making him more like Chewbacca and making his language un, you know, you, you can't understand it. Yeah. And just l- making him make weird sounds. That probably would have been pretty good, actually. Actually, yeah, no, that would have been totally it's, it's fine. That's not a, it's a solid idea, right? Yeah, I mean, if you he, make him he's, under- hard to, yeah. he's hard to understand. Anyway, just go the extra mile and make him completely unintelligible. Because he's freaking annoying from the get-go. Yeah. Why not just turn that annoyingness into something that's, you know... Endearing, like it's BB-8. Endearing. Yeah, exactly. Like BB-8. Oh my gosh, that robot's a... You know, he's he's a star. My, fa- my favorite is someone did... <laughs> someone did a comic where it shows... Where it shows the Death Star with a speech bubble going... Mm, I don't know. I haven't... I've only just barely met you. <laughs> and then it cuts to R2-D2, who's like, come on, baby. When you know, you know. Let me get in you. <laughs> oh and then, as soon as it does that, it cuts down to to nine months later, and it shows BB-8. Oh, that's genius. <laughs> I'm like, love it. So <laughs> I love that. Um, getting back to like the, <laughs> the Force stuff, I was blown away when uh, Kylo Ren holds that blast. From oh the blaster, I was like, "Oh shit!" Oh snap! You and Poe Dameron, like one of my he favorite parts like, of that movie, he's he like, just, "I'm shitting my pants right now." He's just staring at. He's staring at it like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" Is that even possible? I mean, and and is. this is just proof that he's the Han Solo though, because after seeing that and after having that, are you freaking kidding me? His first response to being <laughs> to being sat down in front of Kylo Ren, staring at each other, is. Uh, do you talk to her? Do I yeah, do, do, who goes first? I've never done this before. <laughs> it's like, Good way to break he's a smartass to the core. I love it. Yeah, he's great. So, did you feel like, uh, so force-wise and skill-wise, did you feel like the lightsaber battles were better? Yes. I felt they like felt they wild. Felt, yeah, well, they felt a lot more, they felt better, I mean, obviously, than the prequels, because the, the prequels made you think that the force could let you jump you know, a thousand feet high and run as fast as you wanted all the time when when the Force doesn't really work that way. Well, I mean, uh, that's not how the Force that's works. That's not how the Force Yeah, another great line. Yeah, but, um, but I mean, th- what's interesting, though, is that so far, each trilogy has kind of been distinctive as far as how they've treated lightsaber fights. Um, With the original, with the prequel trilogy, they've kind of... They've been very acrobatic and dance-like. like, And, you know, I'll, it's becoming hip now for people to bag on them, but I don't totally... I don't hate the prequel fights at all. Oh, I, don't I hate, hate the fact that it feels like there's nothing at stake during the prequel fights. That's yeah. what bugs me. They're not worried. Yeah, they're not worried. You're not worried about them. Like, yeah, like, that's... That is, what bothers, that is what bothers me. Like... And, you know, but, and then you've got the original trilogy where instead of feeling very acrobatic and dance-like, it felt more forceful. Like, it's like, I'm going to push this lightsaber into you and this is going to be, you know, this is going to be, we're straining to fight against each other. You cannot beat the tension when you, like, when Luke 
fights Darth Vader in Empire, yeah. and he shows up in the Carbonite Chamber, Carbonite Freezing Chamber, and they both just show up. You're just yeah. like, it's going down. Yeah. And, and, and the, the way that it's paced and how slow it is and the, the lighting, yeah. it's just having a slow, very, you know, tactically... You know, I'm thinking about how I'm going to attack right. you. You're thinking about how I'm going to attack me. It just makes so much more sense yeah. to me than having this, you know, the, the lightsabers are just flying. Whereas, whereas The Force Awakens, and I'm kind of hoping that the sequels follow its trend, it doesn't really feel like a dance. And it doesn't quite feel like the, the forcefulness of the original trilogy. It feels just more wild. No hold barred. Everything's swinging everywhere, and, and you don't know like if you're lucky enough to feel the force tell you where to put the the lights. You, you're gonna you're gonna, you're gonna make you're gonna it out of it. this, and if not, you're gonna get cut in half. You like just it, have to know how to use a lightsaber. So, it's actually kind of an interesting, happy medium between the two styles. Like it's it sort of it has just the raw ferocity. I, I guess that's the thing. It's like. It, it's like, um, if I was to use one word to describe each of them, the prequel is, the prequels are balletic. Yes. Whereas the original trilogy is forceful, and this one is ferocious. Like, it's just, that was one of the things I loved about this, is that it felt like a breath of fresh air for the light, for the lightsaber fights, because it wasn't, it wasn't in the style of the prequels. Or the original trilogy. It was kind of this new sort of, um, we're just going to start, we're going to come at each other swinging, and well, it's not going to look it's pretty. It's a fight for our lives. Exactly. It's, exactly. It's like, we're not worried about whether this looks pretty. I want to live, so I'm going <coughs> to swing this lightsaber. <coughs> yeah, it was like, and, and yeah, I, I loved it. I loved that they just, they totally, I felt like they totally justified the, um, Oh, Kylo Ren's crossbar, because right? he used it on uh, he used on, it Finn, on Finn, and yeah. and it was just like it made perfect sense, and I like I I I loved him. I loved lo- the I loved the lightsaber fights, especially. You know what you said before about the lightsaber construction made a lot more sense when I saw the movie because his. Kylo Ren's lightsaber is just feels jagged and it feels crazy and out that's of what I mean. out of place and it felt very somehow seeing it flare the way it did yeah made it feel angry and unstable and that's, and what I mean. that's the... very much the way he is he's very unstable and yeah. he's he's very conflicted and that's and that's reflected kind of in his lightsaber and everywhere else especially like I love that part when he's just tearing apart the room after she escapes. And those two stormtroopers are like, you know what? They nope the hell let's, out of there. Let's let's just turn around yeah. and forget this happened. See, and that's walk more away. verbose than what they did. I, I think their mental thought was just, nope, nope, not nope, gonna nope. deal with that. <laughs> just turn right around. It's like we're walking out of here. Did you did you like his little bitch fits? Oh Aren't they great? I did. I love. It was Jason Todd. I style. actually <laughs> just loved Kylo Ren. He's great. Like I was not expecting that. Kylo Ren is like Anakin Skywalker done right. He, he's not this imposing Darth Vader like figure. He's this conflicted, sometimes scared and uh, sometimes unsure. scared, still petulant and whiny because he's a Skywalker and that just runs in the genes. But 
he was petulant and whiny in a way where it's like, instead of being turned off by it, like Hayden Christensen, it was more like Mark Hamill where it's like, okay, you're being petulant and whiny, but I can relate to the type of petulant and whiny you're being. Yeah. I can relate to that sort of sense of, I'm tugged both ways, and I like... I guess the weird thing is, too, is that as I've grown into an adult, I've gotten this kind of strange nihilistic streak. Oh, I feel bad for you. Yeah, <laughs> I feel... I that In some ways, I almost feel like that's my brain's intention and in giving that streak to me. It's like, you make everyone feel bad for you. Much of your, you know, your talks of everything ending in entropy and nothingness, just they just uh, they overwhelm me, Scott. I know it's true. It's works uh, on a lot of people, kills a lot of people. Too. Yeah, exactly. It's like, but at the same time, though, that younger part of me that hoped and dreamed and believes that no things aren't going to end with entropy and nothingness. It's going to end with life and light. That's still in there, and it's still trying to be like, but so I can relate with Kylo Ren, like just that it's sort of that cynicism basically Kylo Ren comes down to cynicism versus optimism and as a way, in a way it's like he's come to embrace the cynicism because in that way he has power knowing that he will always be right that's that's how cynics operate they're like you know cause like cynics look at the optimists and they're like yeah sure you might be right but that's the thing might yeah there's a big might it, in there yeah whereas as a cynic whether or not I'm a, whether or not I'm a self-fulfilling prophecy is irrelevant, because if I'm a self-fulfilling prophecy, that means I can control the fact that I'm right, even if me being right means everything goes to shit anyway. But since I'm expecting that, you know, I, I can deal with that. This is a great ethics conversation for another time. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's sort of yeah. This is this is how my brain works. But I thought he had a great character makeup. So he had all the the force powers of a Skywalker. Obviously, he's very strong. And the flowing hair of a Skywalker, And too. the flowing hair of a Skywalker slash Solo. <laughs> um, and then uh, I like the fact that he's he's the Darth Vader role, but Darth Vader was very measured and very Forceful. calculated, and if someone really ticked him off, he would kill them. Yeah. But we, we definitely did see that... Uh, Kylo Ren is not the kind of guy he does think about his actions and he thinks about I'm he could have killed that guy for giving them that bad news like it was his fault for but he did we know he did because it cut after he's like what girl and, and he still had his hands around the guy's neck but we I never saw that guy again in the movies so for all we know he could have died and it left it ambiguous and one to to that point as well obviously uh, it's kind of apparent that Kylo Ren knew of her somehow like he knows something about it her like, seems like, it. like he, he has some connection to her he, oh, he knows that reminds me something coming about back her. to it uh, remind me to come back to when we're done with this remind me to come back to Kylo Ren's possible parentage and or ancestry but yeah so he had a great makeup um, of a of a villain and I thought he was he was really great he's they weren't trying to make him exactly like Darth Vader, but he was that role, obviously. The, the fact you that know, he wasn't Darth Vader was a big part of the a, point. That was a big thumbs up for me. I was like, good job on, on keeping that role while making it completely different. Well, yeah, and while making it clear that the fact that he's not Darth Vader is a is the point. Yeah, he wants you know, to be. He wants to be Darth Vader. Definitely. Because who doesn't want to be Darth Vader? 
But not even Darth Vader was Darth Vader the way that he's imagining Darth Vader. Exactly. And so. that's... And in some ways, that's sort of like... I wonder if that's going to be a recurring theme is the idea of hero worship and basically kind of finding peace with the fact that not even your heroes are perfect. Which... Oh my gosh. Dude, I think I've just discovered... Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> the theme of the story. Story, ah, story, then story. the next one of well, the next movie. Well, I'm just like the overarching trilogy. Arching, our heroes arching. are our heroes are it, not perfect. Yeah, the whole idea of hero worship is inherently flawed, because you know when we think about it, we th- you know when we thought of Han Solo, Princess Leia, and Luke Skywalker being at this age, we didn't imagine it as Luke failing to do the Jedi, Han Solo being having run out of people to swindle. And Leia, basically, you know, it's like we didn't imagine it that that way. No. But in the same way, the way it turned out is one hundred percent realistic because that happens all the time, where you have the people who were like heroes in World War Two during like the sixties or seventies are now kind of the washouts, or you know what I mean? Like it's sort of that the life. You know, life, life taking those switches and turns happens well, all the time. Yeah, though we may, though the and people so, that we respect may be heroes. You know, they're, they're not they're, gonna, they yeah. are not always and, heroes. And expecting them to remain these iconic heroes for the rest of their lives is kind of, it's a form of hero worship that's flawed. Yeah, very flawed. I agree with that. And so, where and so I think I think the idea of hero worship is probably a, well, is a big part of this movie and, yeah. Anyway, can I circle back to Ray? Sure, why not? Okay, so I saw this theory that I thought is very compelling. Okay. Because I was all aboard the Ray is Luke Skywalker's daughter train. Okay, hit A me. big part of the reason for that, though, is because I just wanted... And I, I'm like, well, if, if she's Luke Skywalker's daughter, who is the mom? Is it Mara Jade? It's Mara Jade, right? Right? You would like to think that, wouldn't you? I would. However, this... um theory that I came across is the idea that Luke, that she's not Luke's daughter, but that she is in some way, whether as a, as an illegitimate daughter or even just a niece or something, that she's in some way related to Obi-Wan Kenobi. I, I heard, I heard a similar theory like that, that might be possible. Like, well, see, I had heard, I had heard, it's like, yeah, that might be possible. I'm like, yeah, that would be interesting, but it didn't feel as satisfying to me until until I read something where somebody really laid it out. It's like, think about it. The Jedi put a lot of emphasis on Darth Vader being the one to bring balance to the Force, right? Yes, they did. How interesting... And and if you look at it, Obi-Wan Kenobi was the one that saved Luke and, and basically got things going. How interesting would it be if now Luke, when he's an old Jedi Master kind of pays it back and hmm. now has to instruct ah it comes full circle exactly it comes full circle yeah. and the idea that it's not actually a skywalker that brings balance to the force because in some ways but the skywalkers are like are like a are corrupt isn't the right word but it's, it's kind of like a oh, washout they're they're, they're they're tainted. They're, yeah, they're uh, tainted. It's like how much marked. how much how much better would it be if actually the person who brings balance to the force isn't the Skywalker, but a Kenobi, and now a Skywalker is gonna help a Skywalker who is previously helped by a Kenobi 
is now going to help a Kenobi become a Jedi. Ah, how interesting. Yeah, that'd be that'd be really cool. Yeah, and the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I kind of hope that's true. And one of the things, it's too... A great theory, yeah. One of the things, too, is... I don't know if you noticed this in the three times you watched this, but did you hear Obi-Wan's Kenobi... Obi-Wan Kenobi's voice during Rey's vision that she had? No, I didn't. Uh, I, I paid attention to it the second time because I heard that it was there, but at the very end, they did something really cool. For one thing, they meshed... Um, Ewan McGregor and Alec Guinness's voices together. They have Alec Guinness saying Ray, which apparently they accomplished by just, uh, he said the word afraid and they just trimmed it down to just Ray instead of afraid. And then it's like, so he says Ray and then Ewan McGregor finishes the sentence by saying, these are your first, first steps. And that's the last part of the vision. You have to pay attention to it very closely. But when you listen for it, you could totally hear it. You hear him say, Ray, these are your first steps. And the vision, and, and he finishes saying that right around the time that Maz is walking toward her and the vision's like over. And it's like, why would it specifically be Obi-Wan Kenobi who's saying that to her? That these are your first steps. This is important. Mm, you make a very compelling uh, argument there. I, I'm hoping it's true because it actually like makes it even more exciting for you and kind of enriches the Star Wars universe even more to me. So I'm not usually one to get like like everyone was going with the whole Darth Jar Jar thing, which I hate everyone who oh, took that seriously. Yeah, just... Anybody who's into that, just stop. Uh, anyone, Please stop. Anyone who's into it ironically and likes to joke about it, you're cool with me. But anyone who's serious is like, oh my gosh, I actually feel convinced that Jar Jar Binks was a villain the whole time. I'm sorry, I think you're stupid. I shouldn't say that. It's not polite to say so, but I think you're a moron. And uh, But yeah, I hear fan theories all the time that I'm just like, I can't get into that. But this is one that I'm like, I could totally get into this idea. I like a good fan theory, and this movie left lots of holes open for interpretation <laughs> and, and uh, that lots of unanswered questions, but it didn't leave those questions out there so much that we we lost sight of the story or lost pace with the story. Yeah. You know, they, they, they left them open, but we, we, we more so just <laughs> glance over them and get right back to it with the main characters, which I think is great. And I love it when a movie can pose these questions for you to think of them afterward, you know, as an afterthought, but not during the movie. So I, I got to tip my hat to, uh, you know, to, to JJ for, for doing such a great job and working with, um, uh, what's, what's his name? He's, uh, Lawrence, uh, Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah. Kasdan, you know, for, for putting something so wonderful together without, uh, without, you know, losing sight of what's most important about a star Wars movie and about this movie in particular. Um, we're, uh, we're, we're running out of time here, so let's just go straight to the rating. Uh, would you say best movie ever? No, no, because I guess that's another thing about this movie too, is I wasn't, with my expectations, I didn't want this to be the best movie ever. I just wanted it to be a solid movie. I just wanted it to be like a good story well told. You know what I mean? Like it didn't I didn't it didn't have to be an amazing story immaculately told. Just if it was a good story told really well uh, that would totally satisfy me. So I would probably actually give this movie and I haven't like gotten into the nitpicks because there's so much to talk about, but 
I'd probably give this movie like maybe an 8 out of 10. And that is absolutely satisfying for me. I wanted this movie to be like an 8 out of 10. So in that sense, when it comes to my expectations, it's a 10 out of 10. So does that mean that your expectations for number 9, are they set higher? Because for me, it was it's a little different because I... I was reserved because I I was praying that it wouldn't suck, that it wouldn't be another prequel disaster, and I was rewarded with it being great. And, you know, I'm just going to kind of go with my rating system, whether it's either the best movie ever or the worst movie ever. I'm not going to – I'm just going to say – You don't have a white. dimmer switch. It's I'm just not, on I'm off. Not, I'm not going to – I'm not going to – Thumbs up or thumbs down. It's, huh? uh, yeah, I'm not going to give it a dimmer. I'm not going to, you know, mince around. It, it's It's – the, the sum of its parts, did they equal gr- best movie ever or was it the worst movie ever? So for me, it's best movie ever, you know. So I uh, the sum of its parts make it great. And then since it's great, I'm expecting the next movie to be as good or better. And the funny thing about that is is that there's no telling whether that's true or not because they're getting different directors for each movie. And see... I think it's interesting because the directors they've chosen almost seem to follow Jeremy Lin, right? Almost, almost seem to forecast the same trajectory as uh, Empire, as the original trilogy. Because you right. have, you know, the first one is done by a really kinetic, crowd-pleasing, nostalgic director who nevertheless plays it safe, perhaps maybe a little too safe. Yeah. You know, yeah, he did. You know, it's like, and that that equally describes a new hope and and the movie that J.J. Abrams directed. Well, the director that they have, uh, Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. That's yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Who did Looper? And if you haven't seen Looper, go see Looper. Uh, it's a mind trip, man. Yeah, but not only that too. He also did The Brothers Bloom, which is just a fun caper. And then what I think is an amazing movie that more people should look out and find called Brick, which total kind of definitely in that weird sort of experimental movie in the idea that it is an absolute hard-boiled noir detective story, complete with like that sort of hard-boiled dialogue and mm. and everything like that, you know, and everything and, and the mannerisms. About a good uh, detective movie. Yeah, yeah, and the mannerisms and just the way that you know it, it's totally like that, except it's set in modern day in high school, and it stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Ooh, that sounds good. It's real. It's far better than it had any right to be. Huh? It was really good, and I'll it's have to give it's a, a watch, good yeah. corker of a mystery too, and it, it's like. It's tense and it's like so. I actually am anticipating that the next movie will be even better than this one. Yeah, well, just because he's, you know. But at the same time, though, it's like again, you look at Empire Strikes Back. The thing about Ryan Johnson is he takes a concept and he'll deepen it, just like Empire Strikes Back did. You know, it's like all three of the movies Ryan Johnson has done could have just been very shallow. It would, it would have still been decent movies if they'd just been done shallow, but he deepened them in a way that they 
felt richer to watch. Well, from what you're saying, it's going to make these characters, he's going to flesh out the characters to their core. Yeah. We're going to learn a lot about Finn and Ray, and we're going to learn a lot exactly. about, about Poe, and we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty yeah, know, exactly. of these characters. And that's, I think, from what you're telling me, that's exactly what we're, we're going to need with the... Uh, the second movie in this trilogy. Which is exactly what Empire Strikes Back did. It did. And, and then you've got the director they've chosen for the third movie who, um, based off of his one big budget movie, um, will just do a big stupid crowd pleaser that won't be an abs- won't be a masterpiece, but will hopefully stick the landing enough that it's not a total disappointment. Who is the third director? Uh, Colin Trevorrow. Colin Trevorrow, yeah. The, A.K.A. the director of Jurassic World. Yeah. Which, Jurassic World was kind of a mixed bag. It wasn't a bad movie. You didn't I, like Jurassic World. I hated Jurassic World, but I'm recognizing That's that I'm sad. being... I'm recognizing. I recognize that I'm being harsh. You are being harsh. I, I am. I'm totally being harsh. That movie survives like really well because of Chris Pratt. Look, I don't think you recognize how magnanimous I am being by admitting that I'm being harsh toward that movie. My ego is big enough that I could very well just say no. All of you guys are stupid morons. I'm right. This movie's that dumb. <laughs> but I'm being generous and saying okay. I recognize this is just my opinion. It's not as bad as I'm saying it is, even though I hate it as much as I do. And I'm really hurt that you're not grateful. <laughs> I'm a little grateful. I'm like, man, he he gives everything so much grief, and then he finally relents. It's like... <sighs> it's that little I, bit I, of relenting. I, I have to do my, my classic sigh, my little... It's, this is my, 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 my back of my throat is like half closed while I'm doing this sigh, and that's that's just classic for me. It's that little bit of relenting. It's the it's that the, is the it, it's it's the silver lining. On, it's I'm, on the I'm ticked off cloud. at you, and I'm and I'm expressing it with so I uh, expressing it in this little hiss slash sigh. Oh, I know so what I, it is. So I don't so I don't retaliate. No, I know what it is. You I'm should just retaliate. Like, It'd be more entertaining. Just I'm just gonna let it go. Let it go. Oh, I knew you were going to go there. So, but I mean, uh, anyway, though, that said, though, I think everyone can agree that the point about Jurassic World was not, was that regardless of anything, it was trying to be a fun movie over being a, over being a well-crafted movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's like, if you could only emphasize one, if as a movie, you can only emphasize one thing or the other, Jurassic World's like, well... If we're well-crafted, that'll be nice. But we're just going to go for being fun. Yeah. Which is what Return of the Jedi does. So I st- it really feels like the trajectory of this is going to follow exactly the trajectory of the original. It's safe, kinetic, world-establishing beginning that still plays a kind of safe. And then a movie that deepens and darkens and explores with the second that... You know, we'll probably end on a down note, but still with a ring of hope. And then finally end with a with a big crowd pleaser that's not concerned with being graceful and is just concerned with giving you your money's worth. Yeah. Oh, well, I think it's going to be great either way. And uh, I think we're off to a great start. So anyway, um, yeah, that's I think that's all I've got. And uh, that's all we have time for. But... Um, 
If you're looking to hear more from us, please check us out. We're on iTunes. Uh, I just added us to Stitcher, so those with Android phones can listen to us more easily now. So we're on Stitcher. Uh, we're on Facebook and Twitter at Sons of Comics. And uh, we're also on uh, at Gmail. So sons, you can uh, write to us at sonsofcomics at gmail.com with any suggestions you might have. And you can also support our podcast via Patreon and donate to our podcast uh, with whatever pocket lint and change or, you know, knives full of, you know, or pockets full of knives and lint and uh, all that sorts of stuff. We, so, we take crackers. I mean, if you've got, uh, if you've got 25 nice bucks on a cracker, of, that's enough to get us there. Nice box of saltines will do, you know. Um, anyway, yeah, thanks for listening and uh, stay tuned for our next episode. And uh, yeah, thanks so much. <laughs>